This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Right. So, you know, I had an MRI on my ankle, right ankle, and they said, you got gout damage on your right ankle. And I said, it's okay, I have a left ankle. <laughs> and my knee, they got MRI of the knee, and they said, you got a torn meniscus in your left knee. I said, it's okay, I got another knee. And uh, they said to the right hip, they said, you got a little osteoma in your hip joint there. I said, it's okay, I got another hip. They said, uh, right shoulder had MRI. They said, you got a, you got a torn ligament in here. Right shoulder. I said, it's okay, I got another one. Pretty soon they're going to say, and your life is dying. And I'll say, it's okay, I got another one. So, <laughs> praise the Lord. You know, I love that song, Be Still My Soul, and uh, the Lord is on thy side. He talks about thy best, thy heavenly friend. Great words. One time I remember I was in Finland in the wintertime. That's one place you don't want to be. Finland in the wintertime. They have, I think, the second highest suicide rate. And it was snowing, and I was walking in Helsinki, and I came by a park, and I was feeling a little bit down. Everybody feels down in Finland in the wintertime, but it got to me a little bit. And I never realized that that tune is the national anthem for Finland. And there was a, a large statue of Sibelius who wrote that, and in the park there they had this music going. And all I could think of was, be still, my soul, thy best, thy heavenly friend. Oh, what a wonderful hymn that is. So many wonderful hymns that we have handed down to us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, Lord, inspiring these men to, to, and women to write these wonderful words, Lord, that remind us and speak the truth about you, Lord Jesus. Now, Father, help us as we open your word now to... To, that your word may enter into us and change us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 43, we're going to look at a portion of this of Genesis here in this. I never call these stories. 
<laughs> they're not Bible stories. <laughs> they're Bible accounts. So this account here in Genesis 43, and starting in verse 1 here, about a very, very significant time in the family, Jacob, where we read Genesis 43, 1, And the famine was sore in the land, and it came to pass when they had eaten up corn, which they had brought, again, brought out of Egypt. Their father said unto them, Go again, buy us a little food. And Judah spake unto him, saying, The man did solemnly protest unto us, saying, You shall not see my face except your brother be with you. If thou wilt send our brother with us, by the way, that be Benjamin. If thou wilt send your brother with us, we will go down and buy thee food. But if thou wilt not send him, we will not go down. For the man said unto us, by the way, that's Joseph, the man is Joseph, who is disguised as the prime minister. He is the prime minister of Egypt, but they didn't recognize him as Joseph. You shall not see my face except your brother be with you. And Israel, it's Jacob, said, Wherefore dealt you so ill with me as to tell the man whether you had a brother? He doesn't know that it's Joseph. And they said, The man asked us straightly of our state and of our kindred, saying, Is your father yet alive? Have you another brother? And we told him according to the tenor of these words. Could we certainly know that he would say, Bring your brother down? Judah said unto Israel, his father, Send the lad with me. We will, that'd be Benjamin, he wants to send the lad, calls him a lad. Send the lad with me. We will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and thou and also our little ones. I will be surety for him, of my hand shalt thou require him, if I bring him not unto thee, and set him before thee. Then let me bear the blame forever. For except we lingered, surely now we would have returned the second time. Their father Israel said unto him, If it must be so now, do this. Take of the best fruits in the land in your vessels. Carry the man, carry down the man a present, a little balm, a little honey, spices and myrrh, nuts and almonds. And take double money in your hand and the money that was brought again in the mouth of your sacks. Carry it again in your hand. Peradventure it was an oversight. Take also your brother and arise. Go again unto the man. And God Almighty give you mercy before the man that he may send away your other brother. And Benjamin, if I be bereaved, I am bereaved. It says, if I be bereaved of my children, that's not in the original. The original just does, the translator added, of my children. If I, so we'll just read it the way. If I be bereaved, I am bereaved. All right, now, at this point, at this point in the history here, Jacob and his family, they're starving to death. It's a dire situation. They're in the midst of the great seven-year famine, which has just come down as a heavy burden on them. Joseph, he's still disguised as the prime minister. He is the prime minister. They don't know it's Joseph. And he has sent the brothers home already one time, the first time when they came to Egypt with food. Now all that corn that they had, had gotten the first time, it's all gone. It's eaten up. And Jacob is now being forced to send them down to make the second trip. And Joseph, meanwhile, he's down in Egypt. He so much is yearning to see his brothers be brought to God. He so much is yearning for restoration and the fellowship with them. And Joseph has let them go home this first time. He let them go home. What is that doesn't show the heart of Joseph. He's trusted God. He had them under his control. He could have kept them, but he sent them home, and he's trusting God to bring them back again, and God is bringing them back again. And now, but Joseph has said, you don't get any more food unless you come back with your brother. Benjamin, which, by the way, is his only full brother among the brothers. He's very interested in him. Anyway, 
Jacob refused to let Benjamin go down to Egypt, and that's in the last verse of the last chapter, which is Genesis 42, 38. And that's Jacob stomping his foot on the ground and saying, my son shall not go down with you. That's final, that's it. Out of the question, no more discussion, it is done, that's my decision. And they have to go down with Benjamin, otherwise they won't get any food, it was made very clear. And so Reuben, Reuben, the firstborn son, Reuben, he makes this very disturbing proposal to Jacob in Genesis 42, 37. Genesis 42, 37, just before Jacob said, my son's not going down. But anyway, this was Reuben. This was Reuben's solution to the problem. Reuben said in Genesis 42, 37, and Reuben spake unto his father saying, slay my two sons if I bring him not to thee and deliver him into my hand, and I will bring him to thee again. Now, Reuben's proposal <laughs> that Jacob should kill his two grandsons if Reuben didn't bring Benjamin back. Can't you just see Jacob shaking his head and saying, Reuben, is he really my son? This is so bizarre. And we can imagine Jacob looking at Reuben with this look of shock, and just I, there's no words for what he just said, kill my two grandsons if you don't bring him back. That's one of the reasons, several reasons, but that's one of the reasons why when it came down to Jacob on his deathbed making the pronouncement of the prophecy about Reuben for his future, he said in Genesis 49.4, Genesis 49.4, Reuben, you are unstable as water. Thou shalt not excel. So that's where the last chapter of 42 ends up. Reuben makes this bizarre proposal and Jacob stomps his foot down and says, no, he's not going. But everything changes when the most persuasive, most confident brother among them, Judah, stands up and speaks. And it says in verse 8 here, Genesis 43.8, Judah said unto Israel, his father, send the lad with me and we'll arise and go that we may live and not die, both we and thou and also our little ones. What Judah says here persuades Jacob because Judah now says, I will, I will take personal responsibility for Jude, for Benjamin, not my sons. <laughs> you can't, you know, I'm not talking about you killing my sons. I will take personal responsibility for Benjamin to bring him back. And he says these words in verse eight, send the lad with me. The lad happens to be 33 years old, but okay. He's a lad. <laughs> Send the lad with me. When you look at that, isn't that a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ? How he takes care of us. These words of Judah, with me, with me. That's the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, is the, he says, you will be with me for eternity. And that's how I'm going to keep you safe. And that's how Judah was going to keep Benjamin safe. I'm going to keep him out of trouble. I'm going to bring him back alive because he's going to be with me. And the Lord Jesus said in John 14, 3, if I go, John 14, 3, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. He said to the Father, that was his prayer to the Father. He says, it's almost like Judah speaking to Jacob with me, send the lad with me. And the Lord Jesus Christ speaks to God the Father in John 17, 24, 17, 24, in the high priestly prayer, when he says, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. He wants to be with us. 
Isn't that something? He wants to be with us. And through our life, rather, through our life down here, he's with us. And he makes a tremendous promise in John 14, 18. In John 14, 18, he says to us, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of this picture that we've got here of the summer blitzers here, where they see the one here, where they come to this homeless person there. Anyway, they were driving by, and it's almost like they said the same thing as the Lord Jesus says, I won't leave, I won't leave that person comfortless. And they went there, and they bought the sandwich at Panera Bread, and asked them if they, you know the story, if they know anybody Jewish, and they said, yes, I'm Jewish. <laughs> anyway, but he says, I will not leave you comfortless in John 14, 18. That means that at the time when we are shattered, when we're on the side of the road, homeless, and we're in need of comfort, he promises not just to cross over to the other side. He promises to be that good Samaritan and to come and not leave us in a comfortless state, but to comfort us. That's a tremendous promise. Just like a hymn we sometimes sing, Majestic Sweetness Sits Enthroned, where it says, He saw me plunged in deep distress and flew to my relief. Oh, wonderful. Well, that's why it's so important that we use our lives to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, because he said in John 12, 26, John 12, 26, if any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, my father will honor him. If any man serve me, where I am, there shall also my servant be. Now, Judah now makes a commitment. He makes a commitment to Jacob in verse 9. In verse 9, Judah steps forward and says, I will be surety for him. Of my hand shalt thou require him. If I bring him not unto thee and set him before thee, then let me bear the blame forever. Now, Judah tells Jacob in this point. He says, I'll be surety for Benjamin. Surety is where Judah says, I will be, I personally will be the personal guarantee for Benjamin. Not like Reuben who says, you can, my sons are going to be the guarantee. No. He says, me. Now, this was so strong. This was so strong an argument that he said, I'm going to bring Benjamin back or I will bear the blame for eternity. And exactly what Judah meant, he made it clear when he spoke to the prime minister, who is Joseph in disguise, he doesn't know that. He thinks he's an Egyptian. He speaks to him in the next chapter in Genesis 44, 32, 44, 32, where he explains to the prime minister, for thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, if I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. Now, therefore, I pray thee, let thy servant, that's Judah, let thy servant abide instead of the lad. That's Benjamin. Let him abide instead of the lad, a bondman to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brethren. So Judah now is showing the essential link between being a surety and being the instead of. When he said, let thy servant become surety, let thy servant abide instead of the lad. See, when he said that he was surety and therefore he would take the place of Benjamin, he used this word instead of, tachat, tachat, tachat. Don't say that next to somebody you're st- looking at. <laughs> because he said that in Genesis 44, 33, let thy servant abide instead of, tachat, instead of the lad, a bondman to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brethren. That's the same word. 
That's the same Hebrew word that Abraham used in Genesis 22.13. In Genesis 22.13, where it says, and Abraham lifted up his eyes. You remember, that was the point where he was going to sacrifice Isaac. But it says, and Abraham lifted up his eyes, looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of, takat, in the stead of his son. It's on Mount Moriah. The altar is built. Isaac has been tied up. Isaac has been laid on the altar. The knife is raised to kill Isaac above right, to kill him. And for all intents and purposes, Abraham has offered Isaac in his heart, which is the way it is described in Hebrews eleven seventeen. In Hebrews eleven seventeen, it says, "By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son." The altar was for Isaac to die on. It was the altar was for Isaac to die on, but tachat, but. Instead of Isaac was the ram that died on the altar. The knife was to kill Isaac, but instead of Isaac, it was the ram that the knife was plunged into. The wood was to burn up Isaac, but instead of Isaac, the wood burned up the ram. That's what made that five-year-old little girl's answer at the Del Mar Fair Child Evangelism booth so astounding, so great when I pointed to the cross and I said, what's he doing up there? I was expecting her to say he's dying for our sin. She said, he's taking our place. I've never forgotten that. She has the concept of tekat. She has the concept of instead of. Just think of Isaac standing on the, uh, on the side right there up in Mount Moriah. The wind is blowing. Isaac's watching the ram t- take his place and he's thinking, hey, that was my altar to die on. That knife was to kill me. That wood was to burn me up. And that's what we do when we stand beneath the cross of Jesus and look up and we say, hey, that was my cross. I should have died on that cross. Those were my nails. They should have been going through my hands and feet. That was my crown of thorns. It was for my head. And we see Judah here looking right into the eyes of Jacob in verse 9 and saying, I will be surety for him. And as we see that, we can see the Lord Jesus Christ looking right into the eyes of God the Father and taking this personal responsibility for us. As he said in John 6.37, he says in John 6.37, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. And again, picture the Lord Jesus Christ and he has looked into the Father's eyes, and now he's looking at us, and he says in John 6.39, John 6.39, this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. So when Judah, he goes down now to Egypt with Benjamin, all he can think of as he's traveling down there is the promise I made to my father, I will bring Benjamin back home again. And it's just like you can see Judah say, he could have said the words of John 6, 37, as he's going down there, he's marching down there to Egypt, and he said, all that the Father gives to me shall come to me, 
And this is the Father's will that he which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing. I should not lose Benjamin. Just think of the Lord Jesus standing before the Father and saying about those that were so lost in sin, us. And he's saying, I will be the guarantee for him. I'll bring him back to you safe and sound. I'll send him before you. If I don't, I'll bear the blame forever. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Now, just as Judah says in verse 9, of my hand shalt thou require it. That's a very, very interesting phrase. Of my hand shalt thou require it. You know, it reminds us of when the Lord Jesus said to Thomas in John 20, 27, John 20, 27, then saith he to Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. He told Thomas to reach his finger and touch his hands to see how our, the judgment for our sins was required at the hands of the Lord Jesus. It was the nail marks that showed the judgment for our sins that was required at the hands of the Lord Jesus. And then Judah goes on to say in verse 9, if I don't bring Benjamin back, let me bear the blame forever. That's like a prophecy, a prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah from Judah, who did bear the blame of our sins. It was very hard for the Lord Jesus Christ to see him bearing our blame in Isaiah 53.10, Isaiah 53.10, when it says, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. How can that be? It pleased the Lord to bruise him. God bruising God. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. We're told that it pleased the Lord to bruise the Lord Jesus that it was God the Father who put the Lord Jesus to grief. That's astounding. That's, a, that's just astounding. It shows how much God loved us, how much he wants to save us from our sins. And, but then he puts a great challenge in Isaiah 53.10. Isaiah 53.10, when it says, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Actually, the word when, it, it's good, when, it's anticipation, but the, actually it's the word im, which is the word if. So it's really an if. If thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Im tashim, if you put Hashem, your guilt, nefsho, on his soul, on his soul. So the question for every person is whether or not they have put their guilt on the Lord Jesus. And if anyone does, then something wonderful happens. He shall see his seed. He becomes a child of God. He shall prolong his days. He gets eternal life. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He is used of God. But this, this concept of placing guilt on the soul of the Lord Jesus, that where the Lord Jesus bears our blame, and we placed our guilt on him. He bore our blame. He was judged on the cross for our sins, the sins that made us guilty. But there's, there's another aspect of Judah. When Judah says, let me bear the blame forever, and that can be seen in the descendants of, of Judah when they said this terrible thing, maybe the worst thing that they ever said in Matthew 27, 25, 27, 25. Then answered all the people and said, his blood be on us and on our children. That was a very sad day. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.